is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She is a queen. guys for joining another episode of the key chat today i have a very special guest i'm so excited to speak with her because we both speak the same language and that is self-love her name is miss jenna banks and she is an author speaker podcast host and she's a serial entrepreneur we're going to have a great conversation regarding her history and of course like i said my favorite subject of self-love so how are you doing today I couldn't be better, you know, I'm getting ready to launch my book on March 8th. So I'm just so pumped and excited about that. And no, just pursuing my passions and helping empower women. What what couldn't be better than that? So yeah, I've had a great day. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm so happy to talk with you. And like I said, when you reached out and I looked at all your information, I was like, oh my God, we definitely speak the same language. We have similar stories just when you're talking about your history. So do you mind just starting off telling people about your early life, you know, because like I said, this is very interesting. And I think just telling your story alone and your background is empowering. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked about a little bit before we started recording, you know, that we do have similar backgrounds and, um, you know, mine was very, I had a very traumatic childhood, uh, very strict, uh, super, super religious, uh, strict, almost cult-like upbringing. We couldn't even eat candy. We'd get punished for that. Or, or even if we saw a Scooby-Doo cartoon at a friend's house, that was, you know, we had to warn, you know, pray for forgiveness for even seeing a ghost or something like a ghost in our cartoon. I mean, it was really overboard, but um, it was so oppressive that by the time uh, I was 14, I just said, I, I can't live like this. Something's got to change. And so I, I stood up to my father and uh, you know, he pretty easily let me go. I talk about that in the book, that, that whole situation, but um, I went to go stay with my mother. And unfortunately that situation uh, was, you know, I had only talked to her once a year. She wasn't really a mother per se. She gave birth to me and uh, I had hoped it would be better at her house. And it really wasn't. It's just a lot of mental psychological abuse uh, happened there and really uh, just had me feeling like I had no worth and no value. But by the time I was 16, I left her place. Um, because my friends felt sorry for me. My neighbors who were moving down south in LA said, hey, why don't you come stay with us? They really wanted to help me out. And so they kind of saved me for a little bit, but that didn't quite work out. So I ended up bouncing around between friends' houses, uh, my grandparents, eventually landing over in Florida, uh, where I ended up uh, getting my high school equivalency diploma because I bounced around too many times at that point to even focus on school. And I needed to support myself at that time. So I pretty much was on my own since the age of 16. Um, and then, you know, I got, I got to a point, Shonda, where I was like really numb. Like I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything. I was, um, yeah, I couldn't feel happy, sad, good, bad. I just felt nothing. And so I started to think that I didn't want to live anymore and started to not just contemplate suicide, but I attempted it, was unsuccessful, attempted it again. And I really just started to have this uh, death wish. I was like, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. I just want to do it the least painful way possible. Um, the last attempt uh, landed me in the hospital because I ingested a whole bottle of pills that would have done the job of, of killing me had I not been found by somebody and it was convulsing and they called the ambulance, they pumped my stomach and, um, and I survived that I was in a coma for a while, but um, you know, that was the last attempt. I, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say it got, it, it is, I can't say it got better from there, but uh, you know, as the story unfolded, I ended up getting pregnant at 19, married at 19, mm-hmm. and uh, divorced at the age of 22. So here I am, single mom, divorced at the age of 22. Now, granted, one of the good things that happened, uh, besides having the beautiful gift of my son and, and being given that, um, which I really helped me ground me and give me a sense of purpose at that time, which I really needed. 
Um, but it also turned on my feelings and hormones and all of these emotions started rushing in so I could feel again, finally. Um, and then, you know, now I'm 22, single mom, and now I needed to, you know, make my way. And so that's kind of where my self-love journey started. Um, and, you know, fast forward to today, I was able to, you know, move through the corporate ladder with just my GED, ended up doing quite well for myself in corporate, had a really nice, comfortable six-figure income, to, uh, pursued entrepreneurial dreams on and off. And the last one was 2012 when I started my own company. Just I, I decided to try my hand at this business that I really used to love. I thought, let's try to do something a little different. And so I invested a, a total of $400 and I went for it and, uh, and then ended up working out. I ended up selling that company in 2019 for half a million dollars. And then uh, that allowed me to go ahead and write this book that I've got coming out and really start to focus on my, the greater good, you know, giving back, doing more in this world. Um, and, and really, ultimately, I, I want to be able to give back in the way that I'm able to do now and help empower other women with this powerful message of self-love if I hadn't learned how to love myself first. And so that book is all about the journey of how I went from a place of, you know, self-loathing, not feeling worthy, not valuing myself. I mean, I gave myself far too often and far too young uh, to older boys, you know, not knowing the value of my body or my worth or, you know, my spirit, my soul, my attention, my energy to getting to a place where I love myself more than anyone else that I value myself like, you know, higher than anyone else that I make myself my highest priority and how it's paid off in my life for the bet it, it couldn't be better. And, um, and how it's not selfish, you know, it's really the, the opposite of how I was raised and how so many women that I talk to have been raised is right. it's not selfish. We, we, it's absolutely necessary. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at today. Hopefully uh, that wasn't too much side to digest. <laughs> I know I threw a lot at you. No, it's just amazing. Just hearing that. And I, I love how you summed everything up very neatly, you know, but you hit so many points like a bunch and just starting off with childhood and that is a common thread unfortunately for a lot of women we're preconditioned to put ourselves last you know little girls are supposed to be polite we're not supposed to speak up and it's and we internalize it though we become these awkward teenagers and then unfortunately some of us become these women we don't know ourselves because we only know what we've been conditioned to do and just as women mothers single mothers we're always putting ourselves last so it does take a lot of catalysts. It takes a lot of internal work to know, wait a minute, I'm not this person, you know, and just like you mentioned, self-loathing. So many people have gone through that. I've gone through it personally too. Single mother, haven't had the best childhood, you know, have been in terrible relationships, you know, and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's just like, I don't like my life. You know, I really wish I could change. I don't know how, but you know, there's that, that, angel and then the devil there's that one person that's saying hey you really are great and the other person's like nah what are you thinking you know so it's just coming together to move forward so like I said you hit so many points and so many other things that I want to ask you about so of course you do have your upcoming book that's coming out in March entitled I Love Me More and one of the other things about your mission is you're on a mission to help people embrace loving yourself and more. So I know, of course, we touched on self-love. Like I said, that's my entire platform. It is about self-love. What was the main thing, though, obviously? Did you go through some therapy? What were the, the points that really brought you together to say, hey, I'm bigger than my childhood. I'm bigger than my past. And I know now how to truly love myself. What tools and steps did you take? Unfortunately, I did not get therapy early in life at all. I, um, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. <laughs> I'm, I like self-help. Um, and so there was, you know, it's funny. I, I will confide in you that I didn't even know of the term of self-love until I started writing my book. Mm. And so that had never come across my path. I'd never read any books on it. And I'm very much a self-help junkie. I've read so many self-help books, whether it comes to personal development, spirituality, business, you name it. 
And I never read anything about self-love. Part of why I wrote the book is because I want it to be this, this very valuable information to be more readily accessible and mainstream rather than you know, something that's way out there. I wanted to make it super relatable. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I just am a person who went through the journey of going from self-loathing and hating myself to wanting to die to loving myself more than anyone else. And, and, you know, it was a journey. It's not even a, I can't even say it's one thing there. And that's all in the book because it's a series of really realizing that if you make your happiness a priority and you make that your true north it will always serve you well because when you, and everyone in your life too by the way your kids your partner your friends your bosses everyone in your life will benefit when you are a happy person and how do you get to be happy you make yourself happy. You do the things that make you happy. You don't stay in situations that make you unhappy. You, if you place your happiness as a priority, you just have all this beautiful love that kind of oozes out of you and everyone benefits from you. You don't even have to say anything at that point. You could just be in the room with other people and they can feel your positive energy. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's unfortunate that so many of us women think that, um, or uh, even men too, sometimes think that their partner should be making them happy, yeah. right? Like you do all these things, you pour all your love into your partner uh, or to other whomever else, your family, whomever else. And like, great, now give me, give me some love back and make me happy. And I came to realize that, that really you need to be making yourself happy on a regular basis. When you're happy, you kind of draw everything to you. So it starts with you making yourself happy. Mm, you're so right. You're so right. There's so many other things, like I said, I'm just so excited. So many other things I want to talk to you about. But you are right. I think sometimes too, people do have the false perception that love or just value isn't another person or even their job, their friends, their families, of course, with women, their children. And sometimes a lot of us, we don't realize until we get to a later stage in life, like, wait a minute, it all begins with me. And you're right. When you are happy, it's the energy that just really makes every other component of your life make sense. <laughs> and it just, it feels great. So there's so many other things, like I said, that I do want to talk to you about. So I want to get deeper in, obviously, with your book. So with the book, I love me more. I know that you're using relatable examples from your own experiences, you know, to help other people. So there's some other points that I also want to go over that'll help other women that are going to tune in. So the first thing I want to discuss that I saw, just looking through your information, you mentioned that there are ways that we tend to sabotage self-love. So yeah. I wanted to talk about that on what ways do you think some people who still may be having fighting with some insecurities, you know, they're still wrestling but learning the true definition of self-love, what are some ways that people, women in general, will tend to sabotage it? And sometimes consciously, you know. Oh yeah, it's usually subconsciously, absolutely. Um, so, and it's women in particular that I'm, I'm speaking to when I write about these saboteurs of self-love in the book, you know, I try to really give all the steps to help, help open you up to receiving your own love. And that includes understanding what sabotages it in the beginning so that you can open yourself for your own love. One of those things is guilt. Now, this is something I never hear talked about, but it's so interesting when you really peel open what guilt is. Now, there are studies out there that, that you can do your, some research. I've done my homework and how what plagues women with guilt does not plague men the same way. So this is a female issue. We tend to let guilt drive our behavior. What guilt is, is it, it tells you you're coming up against a pattern. Okay. So that pattern might be self-sacrificing. That pattern might be, um, always being the nice girl. That pattern might be something else, but guilt doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means you're coming up against a program or condition that you've got. Mm -hmm. So yes, it might be 
I, if I do this, I'm bad, or if I do this, I'm good, then okay, maybe it's an indication you're coming up against a moral code. But most of the time, it's something else that has nothing to do with morality. And so we let this conditioning drive our behavior, this guilt, this feeling of guilt, it doesn't feel good. I like to say that, uh, you know, it's often uncomfortable and sometimes even painful to choose to love yourself more. And one of those things is going through the discomfort of guilt that will pop up because you can't let that drive your behavior. You can't go, oh, I'm so used to self-sacrificing. I'm going to try and put myself first today because this is what I feel like doing. But then your guilt kicks in because you're so used to doing the opposite that you just go back to giving into the guilt and doing what you're used to doing. We have to understand that guilt can really sabotage our ability to choose ourselves and put ourselves first. Wow, you're correct. I think a lot of people deal with guilt. You know, like I said, we a lot of people who have dealt with insecurities, have dealt with terrible childhoods, or just even bad relationships, things like that. We internalize things. We're conditioned to really think that we're not worthy. So I think sometimes when people are wrestling with finding that self-confidence, they don't know how to handle it. You know, they don't know how to really understand just even breaking away from the past. So I think a lot of people deal with a lot of guilt from the past. And sometimes it's a it's shame too involved with, because I went through a stage where I'm like, I felt some type of shame involved with, I wish I had known then what I knew now. And instead of embracing, you know, knowing better, it was like, oh my God, like if I had known this then, I would have made these particular mistakes. I would have been involved with these individuals. Things wouldn't have happened. And then that was another level, you know, of pain, you know, which is, bizarre sometimes that we just can't give ourselves grace yeah. so a lot of people deal with guilt which hinders us in so many different ways mm-hmm. so some more things I want to discuss with you the next point I want to go over is you said that there's some myths about how we should relate to ourselves so is there any way you can break that down to you know like I said I think it also ties in to the previous thing about guilt as well sometimes you know once we're trying to get to a new journey of self-discovery we're becoming new people. So sometimes it's even hard for the people around us that were used to the old versions that didn't know barriers or boundaries. You know, now you're exhibiting barriers and boundaries and people don't know how to deal with you anymore. And sometimes we are even like, wait, is this ending me? <laughs> is this how I address people? So can we go over that too? Just just certain myths about how we think we should relate to ourselves. Yeah, so... <clears throat> Okay, I'll give you I'll give you one example. This is how we this is a big one. I talk about this a lot. It's so powerful. We I call it the nice girl syndrome. Okay, we are so we were raised, as you mentioned earlier, like to be, you know, to comply with some of these social norms. And one of those is being the nice girl. And what that actually usually means as you put on the smile you want to make sure you're taking care of everyone else's feelings including how they feel about you right you want them to like you you want to be seen as nice you don't want to be seen as mean you don't want to upset anybody but what that actually usually means is you're abandoning yourself in the meantime And so being the nice girl often means self-abandonment. You're taking care of other people's feelings or how you want them to see you or worrying about how they feel first instead of yourself. And if you really think about it, like if you, let's say you're interacting with somebody, stranger, someone you love, it doesn't matter. They make you uncomfortable. The first thing we do is squelch that down We don't, you know, we don't want to honor that. We don't want to honor that feeling that comes up because that's going to go against this nice girl syndrome. It's like, oh, it's uncomfortable. What if I say something that upsets them? Or, you know, we don't know how to honor that feeling and say, hey, you know, wait a second. I don't, I don't appreciate you saying that. Or I have a problem with that. Or I'm not okay with that. You know, and whether it's a stranger or someone we know, most of the time we don't feel comfortable honoring our feelings first. So relating to yourself in that way, just respecting yourself, honoring yourself, giving yourself validity, stop stop worrying about being the nice girl and be nice to yourself, you know, is one of the first ways that we can relate to ourselves in a more positive way. Look, if 
I mean, the truth of the matter is when you do honor yourself, you're actually not, I do it myself and and I've proven to myself that you're not going to upset people. You're not going to be seen as mean. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, people will respect you when you honor yourself. You'll also allow them to have a better relationship with you because you know you and you're expressing you and now they understand who you are. And if we don't give them the honor and pleasure to really know us, then Mm. we just kind of, it's not really a healthy way to express our, uh, to create relationships anyways, really, when you think Mm. about it. You know, and the funny thing is, I know a lot of times people, like you said, they're concerned with being labeled as mean, but that whole term really grinds my gears because it's like I feel like a lot of times when people get the mean label it's only someone that put up a boundary and you know sometimes a person that says oh that person is mean it's just they don't know how to translate the boundary that the person put up and I think sometimes people get the mean label because they have spent so many so much time not having any type of boundary. So people just took it and ran with it. So then when that person became enlightened and they started to put up the boundaries, sometimes it gets lost in translation. So maybe the person who, let's think of a person who they just never put many boundaries and they finally start to put them up. Sometimes you maybe a slightly passive aggressive and you put up that boundary like, hey, absolutely not. No, all caps, exclamation points. So the person that's so used to having taken advantage, they're like, well, wait a minute. I'm so used to taking advantage of this person. I'm used to this person being a pushover. So then the whole fake mean, you know, terminology comes up. But I agree at this thing sometimes with self-love, there comes confidence. And not everyone is going to receive that no, but it's necessary in order to have that peace. And I think a lot of people really do struggle with boundaries. Yeah, I mean, can I give you a quick story? Yes, please. Okay, because maybe maybe your listeners will find this helpful. Um, I'll give you a story as I I have two. If we have time, uh, let me know. If not, that's okay. But I'll give a quick story with a stranger. I have one encounter with a person I know and one encounter with a stranger, just to give an example of how this could work. And you can set a boundary without being mean. You know, uh, I never mm-hmm. get called mean. And yes, I guess there there are mean mean way or not rude or whatever. There are. Uh, trite ways or uh, how would you say it like um, if you're not used to processing your boundaries you might not do it in a soft manner but um, I can do mine in a soft manner but still firm and I think that's really important to be Mm -hmm. to be gentle but firm uh, Mm -hmm. because you do want to make sure that they know this is a boundary so I, uh, over COVID, uh, some friends and I went to go play volleyball at this outdoor volleyball court and uh, in the sand. So it's really cool. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. We don't have sand here. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to play and I, I hadn't played in many, many years, uh, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay player. I'm, I'm pretty sports inclined. So um, we were all playing and we, there were other teams wanting to play team I say teams casually and not, it's not they weren't real teams we were just people having a good time you know and so um but some people were there playing regularly and so we couldn't play for that long then the next team would play and so uh somebody led us on a few of us from our group on their teams and so uh like I said I hadn't played in quite some time I get out there I start hitting hitting a bunch out the guy who decided to be the, the team captain he chose himself as that suddenly decided to start barking orders at me and he's like hey Hey, you, you know, cause I had just hit a couple a few balls out and, um, I guess he was not happy with my performance. So I got the, Hey, you, uh, you move over there. And I was like, I mean, that was an instant like boundary for me. Um, I felt it, it felt uncomfortable, disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know, get, you know, my name or get to know me. We have, we haven't met, ask me my name, but don't be rude and call me. Hey, you. So he's, mm-hmm. so I said, Hey, excuse me. I was like, by the way, my name is Jenna. Nice to meet you. And by the way, okay, why are you having me move over there? I just, I just basically, it was the energy of you're not going to push me around and make me feel small. You don't get that privilege. That's a boundary. And I changed the energy. It wasn't even, I didn't even have to say many words. It was just like a like, hey, wait a second. I've got a name. My name's Jenna. Nice to meet you. I wasn't right. rude about it. I wasn't mean about it. I wasn't going to meet him, his rudeness with more rudeness. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I am, I'm, I respect me and I'm going to insist that you respect me basically. Right. 
And there was no, nothing. I'll tell you, it was so interesting. I wish you were there to witness it. It was really <laughs> cool. Um, he, he basically just was thrown off, you know, and then all of a sudden he started missing a bunch of balls and I was getting balls in and he just looked like an ass really. And, um, <laughs> and it was, you know, but it was friendly. It was fun. Everyone was just like, Oh my God, you know, like it was funny to see the reaction of people because I mean, it just shifted the energy. Right came at it more powerfully. And, um, and I was like, you know, it felt great. I could have felt insecure. I could have felt small. I could have felt all these other things. Obviously these guys have been playing for a long time and I was the imposter, Mm -hmm. but you know, we're all humans. We're all equal. There's no, you know, so that's one example of, you know, being instantly able to set a boundary and feel it in your body. Stranger set the boundary, but nobody saw me as mean. And we all high-fived at the end. It was fine. It was like, but, and he looked like an ass. So, you know, and, and I could have, you know, came back at him rudely or whatever, but that that's not going to accomplish change either. You know, if enough women talk back to him and say, Hey, you can't, you know, you're going to show me respect. I bet you he's going to stop doing that. You know, that's an issue here in the South. um, Right. right. Mm Another a second story and you took the words out of my mouth I'm like you shifted the energy completely but you you said what I'm sorry I didn't hear that no you took the words out of my mouth I'm like you definitely shifted the energy and that's it I'm definitely ready to hear the second scenario okay so the second one is very different but also very powerful and impactful so uh there was a situation where an ex that I dated 20 plus years ago for a couple years reached out to me on social media out of the blue. I hadn't heard from him in all this time. And he's like, Hey, how's it going? I hope you're well. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, me and my boyfriend are fine. Like just throwing that out there in case he was fishing. And, uh, he was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, glad to hear all is well. I mean, it was like a quick, uh, couple messages, couple sentence per message. And then it ended. And that was like, okay, cool. Well, this guy is going to go away. And all I won't hear from it again until 20 years from now. But then he commented on a social media post of mine publicly. And what I felt in my body was like somebody was intruding on my personal space. And I had to sit with that, feel it out, understand what that was. Oh, that's a boundary. I don't, I don't appreciate that. He doesn't have that right. We are not friends. So I opened up my DM. And I started typing and what came out was, hey, by the way, I, uh, we're not friends. We never have been. We had a crappy relationship. You treated me pretty terribly. I have no interest in being friends with you. And that's it. And I disconnected him. I, I hit send. At first, you know, there was that little bit of like, am I being mean? And then I was like, no, I'm being nice to me. Right. Send, <laughs> disconnected him. That was it. I don't even care how he felt about it, honestly. It's not my concern. My concern was taking care of me. And you know how it felt, Shonda, after hitting the send button? Freaking great. (laughs) It felt awesome. And that's the difference of when someone's crossing a boundary and you feel icky, you feel disempowered, and you let it happen because you're trying to be the nice girl, or you let it happen because you're used to people pleasing or worrying how they'll think of you or all these other things, instead of you protecting yourself, looking out for yourself, being your own best friend, loving yourself enough to protect your boundaries. When you do it, it feels phenomenal. You know, one thing I love that you just said is not being mean, it's being nice to me. That's like the best tagline I think I've heard in a long time. I think if people would just look at it that way, it's not being mean, it's being nice to yourself. Because I think that's one of the things that stops us. And like I said, we some of us struggle with boundaries because we're so concerned with what is is this person who's already offended me and crossed the line with me? We're still concerned with how they're going to react to us looking out for ourselves, you know, and that's that people pleasing bone that a lot of us have within us. Like we can't help it. Sometimes you just got to turn it off. So I love that. I'm not being mean. I'm being nice to me. Like I love it so much. So of course you mentioned as well that you're an entrepreneur. So I noticed something regarding that you've mentioned about self-love, even with finances as well. So being an entrepreneur, 
and just women, a lot of us, you know, we live in a new age now since COVID. A lot of people are pursuing their dreams. This is the great resignation. People want to go ahead and live life on a different term. But finances, of course, is something that we all have to deal with, whether we like it or not. So definitely give us some enlightenment on how self-love applies to our finances. Absolutely. It's such an important area, just like business as well. And I cover that too. But when it comes to business, uh, finances, that was a journey for me too. I had gone from a place of having to file a bankruptcy at the age of 27 to realizing I need to fix this within me and have a different relationship with myself and money. So uh, when, when it comes to self-love and finances, for example, we have to understand the things that we're spending money on and why. Like, are we spending, for example, money on you know, getting that latest Louis Vuitton bag if we can't really afford it? You know, and it's like, if you have to go, if you have to put it on your credit card, you shouldn't be buying it. Like it's, you know, that's not loving to yourself because if you think about it, if what you buy causes you stress in the end, money stress is one of the biggest stressors of people today. Why let money be a stress in your life? Again, if you pursue your happiness, if you pursue being happy as a priority, being stressed out about money is not making yourself happy. And that Louis Vuitton is not going to be making you happy if you're stressed out about the money. So it's making that connection of is what I'm spending things on and why I'm spending, what are the consequences of that? And is it actually impeding my self-love gains? So that, that's an important factor. Another one uh, is uh, sad to me. Um, it may sound terrible to say at first, but hear me out. Even saving for your kid's college when you don't have your own retirement in order. You got to take care of yourself first. You got to do it. There are other ways to get your kids through college and they don't have to go to the best school. They can go to community college first and then they can go to a local four year where they get grants. Don't put yourself in financial stress to do that for other people. It doesn't matter who these other people are, including your own kids. You got to make yourself a priority when you do you can give so much more to everyone else. And you also set a much better example and a healthier example of a more loving relationship with you and money. Wow, that's a very powerful one. And I think that's, a, that's, that's one of the things that a lot of women, once again, we're conditioned that we have to cut up our arms for our kids. You know, like everyone said, like everyone's conditioned as a parent, oh, you, you put yourself last, your children come first. And that's actually not the right thing to tell people. You know, a lot of us are crashing because like you said, we've, we've been the sacrificial lamb for our kids. And that's not saying we don't love our children, but that's, that's something I think a lot of single parents as a whole have struggled with because they have given, they've been given this false notion that it's come first before everything okay like no they don't you know I learned the hard way like your children actually don't come first I take care of myself first in order to take care of them you know and I'm so happy you said that because I think so many people are just they are so 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 misinformed just with self-love putting yourself first and how that plays out as a parent, you know, because we're all told, like, you know, you're a bad parent, you're a bad mother, you put yourself first, I mean, you're really not. Yeah, and imagine if you try to, again, break that pattern, guess what you feel? Guilty. Right. And then you you just keep on playing out those same patterns that were shown to us by our mothers and their mothers and on and on and on. If we're going to be truly empowered as women, we have to learn how to love ourselves and put ourselves first. Yes, yes. You just have said a mouthful. So let's go further into your book, obviously, because like I said, you know, you've touched so many points and a lot of it just comes with just us being conditioned, you know, to be something that we aren't. So what are some other things we can expect from the book? Of course, it's coming out in March. So what are some other things that we can expect that you like to let people know, to look out for, to be aware of? You know, sometimes we aren't aware of things that we're doing that self-sabotages or puts us in class that just really doesn't value ourselves. You know, sometimes we just don't know any better. 
We don't know any better. That's why information is power, right? Knowledge is power. And that's what I want to do is empower everyone with this really important knowledge. One of those things is, um, is okay, so <laughs> think about me or think about for a second how you treat your body. I want everyone listening right now to, to think about how they talk to themselves about their own bodies. Do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, damn, I look good. Or do you say, God, I gained too much weight. I'm not happy with how my arms look. I wish I didn't have that wrinkle. I need some more Botox. Like, are you kind of dissing yourself mm. or are you giving yourself, because think about all that negative energy we send ourselves when we do that. That's not self-love. That's a major saboteur right there. Mm. That self-talk, that negative self-talk just brings us down. Why are we doing that to ourselves? We justify it because we think it's true. And so we've told ourselves that and we say, well, but it's true. Yeah, but even if you think it's true, think about what you're doing to yourself by talking to yourself that way, by feeling like that about yourself. You got to learn to switch it around. I personally had to make the switch. You know, I had seen a friend of mine. I'm a really good friend who is constantly ragging on her body every single time we have a conversation, like every time. Not, oh, I've gained too much weight. It's a constant like negative self-talk. Never is it positive. And I was like, God, that's just terrible. Like, I just feel bad. You know, I wish she thought better of herself. And then I was like, well, crap. I kind of do the same thing. Uh, you know, we step on the scale, like, ah, you know, and then you know, it's, it's so important to stop that, to catch ourselves and stop it and say, you know what you did, you know, you, you're, you're fine. You know, you'll get back on track. You'll, you know, what do you look at yourself in the mirror and see what you love about yourself? You know, even if, even if the, the smallest thing, the, the easiest thing you can do is if you can't find any body part, choose your fingernails. Like maybe you got your fingernails done and you love the, look at that and compliment your fingernails. Like just look at that and give yourself some love. Like it's important to love ourselves internally, but it's also important to love our bodies because the opposite is giving us that negative energy and that is not self-love so that's just something that we got to stop right now and turn that around another one I mean I, I said I give a whole lot of these nuggets in the book so I'm just kind of scratching the surface here but another one that's really important to think about is how often we as women especially say I'm sorry or sorry when we've not done anything wrong <sighs> Wow. I mean, wow. that's like just playing it small all the time. I don't matter. Sorry. I'm sorry that I exist. I'm sorry. Like, why are we so sorry? It really, it really shows us that we don't matter. Like, I'm sorry for, what are you sorry for? Take up space, be proud of it. Like, I'm not sorry I'm here. I'm not sorry I'm moving out, out of the elevator when you're moving in. Why are we sorry for doing the things we do you know it's it's very self-sabotaging and and again disempowering mm. rather than empowering wow so that that is 100 true and like i said i think it just all ties back to just being these little girls who are supposed to be polite and not speak up you know a lot of us are still having that little girl in our head telling us you know just like what our parent may have told us well no you can't do that you know, that's not what little girls do. That's not what a young lady does. I think sometimes people just really have to, you know, deprogram themselves, basically. So one of the other things that you mentioned, obviously, you're a serial entrepreneur. So once again, I always tell people, I feel like self-love is one of the fuels, one of the tools that helps people to even pursue a business. You know, you have to love yourself in order to say, hey, you know, I'm worthy of being an entrepreneur. I'm worthy of not you know, it's not that nine to five situation at corporate America lifestyle. I had it too. It's not for everyone, but you still have to have that self-love and confidence to even go to that next step. So can you give people some tools? And also just if you can give people a little bit more of your background regarding your entrepreneurship, but also just give them some tools on how self-love can empower them to be entrepreneurs. Absolutely. In fact, I, investing in yourself is something I talk about in the book. When you invest in yourself, 
you are showing yourself love. You're, you're showing yourself that you think you are a capable person. You show yourself that you believe in yourself. And that means investing some of your money and going for that entrepreneurial endeavor if you really want to. Yeah, it's scary. It's, you know, we all face imposter syndrome when we're trying something new. I am no stranger to imposter syndrome. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've faced it every time I've gotten into something new that I wanted to try, but I am worth my investment. I am worth believing in me. And when we believe in ourselves and invest in ourselves, we exude self-confidence. And when we exude self-confidence, others are confident in us too. So it's really a beautiful self-love loop. If you want to do it, you've got to do it for yourself. You'll never regret going for it. I promise you that you will regret not going for it. So um, I've always gone for it. And look, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be successful, but sometimes go, just getting, getting it going will start those wheels turning and you might find you need to pivot based right. on you know, what the market feedback is. But you know, I started my first company in, in my early 20s and, um, and I successfully ran that for a few years, went back into corporate. Uh, started a board game company with a partner, ran that for a few years. Uh, we ended up having one of our board games uh, licensed as an Arby's kids meal program, made it into millions of, of kids meals, which was pretty cool to have accomplished. And um, the last company that I started was in 2012. And, you know, I had quit my corporate job. It was very comfortable, six figures. I was um, really just not motivated and happy where I was, though. I was keeping a seat warm as far as I felt. And I didn't feel like I was valued at work anymore. I just didn't feel like, yeah, like I wasn't valuing myself by allowing myself to not feel valued at work really. And so I, again, said, no, I'm more, I'm worth more than this. And I'm worth my own investment decided, you know, I, I quit that job and decided to start this company and, um, and, you know, just kind of pursued, uh, I, so I had this old business I was in called the promotional products business back when I first started my first business and I loved it. It just lit me up. I loved working with products. Products is really one of my passions. So mm -hmm. I wanted to get back into something I was passionate about. That's, that's what, and for anyone listening now, if you're thinking, well, what do I start with? I encourage you to think about what you're passionate about. You know, maybe mm -hmm. other companies you've worked for, other industries you've been in what lit you up the most and maybe use that as a jumping off point for some ideas. That's what I did. I used it as a jumping off point to think, well, how could I do this differently based on what's happening today in the market? And traditionally that industry had been served by going and uh, you know, tapping your network and uh, meeting people in person, taking them to lunch, going to their office for meetings. And I was like, you know what? I don't think millennials of today really want to do that. And I feel like there's a, a need to do this more virtually. So I set out to meet that, uh, to set that up and see if that was possible. I was based in California. My very first client who found me online or found my business online was based in New York. It was NASDAQ. And I was like, and then they became like a regular client. I was like, well, shoot, there's my proof of concept right there. And there's something here. And then I just kind of followed that and just kept doing more of that, learned content marketing, which was fairly new at the time. Um, and then just kept following that. And uh, in the end, here's something really interesting. Um, I was like, I was like, I want to set this up where it can kind of run itself eventually. And, but I want to do this in as low of a cost of way as possible. So I thought, how, you know, how could I set up a low cost team? Uh, and I ended up exporting it overseas. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of stuff overseas. And mm -hmm. there are so many resources, even today, if you're thinking, how can I start doing that in my business? Fiverr and Upwork are fantastic yeah. places to start. I mean, yeah. I do all my outsourcing that's not related to having a full-time position uh, on Fiverr and Upwork because you can get some amazing talent all over the world that can yeah. help you with anything, anything you can envision. You want to produce a video? Great. Use Fiverr. You want to make an explainer video or um, uh, get help writing articles or whatever, get help on Fiverr or Upwork. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And so it helped me bring my costs way down and allowed me to just expand the business further. 
Um, and eventually I ended up selling it in just a couple of years ago for half a million dollars. Now, mind you, this is a home, it was a home-based business, just me and, wow. and then my team that I had grown outside of the US. So it, it was just, um, it was remarkable that uh, that was able to happen. And the company had no assets, by the way. It literally just was cash in my bank account that, uh, you know, so when you can really like just kind of go for, you know, believe in yourself, trust in yourself, pursue those things you're interested in, go down those rabbit holes and explore, be curious, you know, and, um, and serve yourself. What do you want, right? Do you want to be working less hours? Do you mm-hmm. want to work 60, whatever you're, whatever you want, just go, well, how can I, you know, figure out how to make that happen for me? And that was how I made business work for me. Mm. Wow. That is amazing. And Fiverr is great, you know, FYI, <laughs> but just rounding everything out. Like I said, we've had an amazing conversation. I just really appreciate your transparency and all these great things that you've said. I mean, it has really talked about the layers of self-love. But the last thing I do want to ask you is, you know, going back to self-love, you know, just the final thing to end everything with, how, what would you like to just say, you know, just to run out this conversation to someone who, like I said, they've, I guess, and you and I have similar stories, but just everyone I think has similarities as far as just being women yeah. who've just been young girls who just didn't think they were the, the prettiest person, who didn't think they were the smartest, who had some dreams that they thought could only be a fantasy. They weren't worthy of achieving those things. You know, some of us have all, you know, some of us have been in crappy relationships and we thought that we won't be able to find that person that'll value us. Some of us have looked in the mirror and experienced that self-loathing and just didn't understand how truly valuable we really are. Some of us haven't gotten to that stage of enlightenment where they know that it's all BS, that you really are worth something. So what would you say to that person who tunes in right now and they're like, you know what? I really would like to get a piece of what these women are talking about because I'm not there yet. So what would you say to inspire that person to really truly find that self-love in themselves? What you think becomes your reality. It's true. What you think you're worthy of is what you're worthy of. I mean, it's not what you're worthy of, but what you think you're worthy of is what you're going to get. We can only get what we allow ourselves to get. So my value comes from within and it's reflected in the outside world. So whatever you think you're worth is what you're going to get back. That's it. You want to up your level of self-worth and your self-value or you want other people to value more. You have to value yourself first. It's not going to happen. Otherwise it doesn't come from the outside world. It comes from within only within. So you have to start with you. It is, it is a must. You're never going to like, Oh, I want my so-and-so to value me. My friends to value me. I want my, my partner to value me more. You got to value yourself then that, that it, that's it. That's it. Wow. Thank you so much for this conversation. Before we end everything, please tell everyone how they can connect with you, how they can find your social media, your website, and again, give them the information on the date your book drops and how they can, is it available for pre-order? So yes, it is. And it's coming out in a few weeks on March 8th, International Women's Day. I actually have the hard copy right here. I got mine in early. So it's called I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love. It'll be available. It's currently also available for pre-order as an ebook, and it will be available as an audio book by the time the release date comes. So you can pick your whichever format you like to receive information in. Um, it'll be available on all three. The best way to get in touch with me is on my website, which is jenna-banks.com, which will link to everything. It'll link to the Amazon link, the Barnes & Noble links, my social media. I'm super active on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok. So um, I'd love for you to connect with me there. I also would love to share my I Love Me More playlist. It's absolutely free. It's on my website and it's almost 40 super like empowering songs about loving ourselves more. And let me tell you, Sharonda, it was really 
difficult. It took many, many, many hours to put that together because 99.9% of love songs out there are about loving others or heartbreak, all other things that are not, you know, not about self-love or loving ourselves. So it took a lot of work, but I found a really great playlist and I think uh, it'll be very empowering for anyone who chooses to to download it. Like I said, it's free. It's on Spotify or Apple Music. So you just hit the button and you got it in your playlist. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Like I said, I really do appreciate your story and I definitely appreciate your energy. I definitely think that anyone that's going to tune in and just listen to the points that you made will definitely pick up on something useful so they can live a better and happier life. So I definitely appreciate your conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Shrona. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That was an amazing conversation with Miss Jenna Banks. I've been looking forward to speaking with her for such a long time. Like I said, she and I speak the same language and that is self-love. And just listening to everything that Jenna mentioned, oh my God, like she just said so many great things. But one of the main things that I love that she mentioned again was ties into self-love, which is remembering that you really are worthy of valuable. Self-love ties into everything. It ties into our career. It ties into our friendships. It ties into just how we're able to say no. And one of the things that I really loved out of that whole conversation is how she said, it's not being mean. It's being nice to me. Have you ever been in a situation where you really were uncomfortable and you really needed to push that boundary and just simply say no, but you were really concerned on what that other person would think? This is going to hurt their feelings. Maybe they will dislike me after I tell them no, even though it's making me feel uncomfortable. Like she just said, it's not being mean, it's being nice to me. So if you picked up on anything, that's the main thing I would say to just drive home. And being nice to yourself is also beyond the boundaries. Being nice to yourself is knowing that you're worthy. Being nice to yourself is loving the body that you're in, like she mentioned. Being nice to yourself is pursuing your dreams. Maybe you truly do want to be an entrepreneur, but you're scared, you're not confident. It's not being mean, it's being nice to me. So go ahead and remember that. Make sure you go love yourself. Please go ahead and follow Jenna. Look up that great book that she has coming out, I Love Me More. Go love yourself, be safe, and go ahead and check out www.thekeychat.com for great interviews just like the one with Jenna and some past interviews with some amazing people where we all talk about the favorite topic, the thing that's going to help you the most which is self-love. So be safe and go love yourself. And thank you for tuning in. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent, you're a queen, you're a queen, oh.